Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Now Saul told Jonathan his son and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, is seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on your guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. If I find out anything, then I will tell you. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. For he took his life in his hand and struck down the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by putting David to death without a cause? Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these words, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. When there was war again, David went out and fought with the Philistines and defeated them with great slaughter, so that they fled before him. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in the house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing the harp with his hand. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went out and fled and escaped. Michael took the household idol and laid it on the bed and put a quilt of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. When Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in his bed, that I may put him to death. When the messengers entered, behold, the household idol was on the bed with the quilt of goat's hair at its head. So Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? And Michael said to Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I put you to death? Now David fled and escaped and came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Nioth. It was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Nioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. So Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came as far as the large well that is in Siku. And he asked and said, Where is Samuel and David? And someone said, Behold, they are at Nioth and Ramah. 
He proceeded there to Nyath and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also, so that he went along prophesying continually until he came to Nyath and Ramah. He also stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? In this chapter of Scripture, we see King Saul acting erratically. There are times he's bent on destroying David, and other times he's swearing that he'll not destroy him. In the first part of the chapter, we see an evil spirit coming on Saul. At the end of the chapter, the Holy Spirit comes on him and causes him to prophesy. It's kind of all over the place for Saul in this chapter. But all of these events are a result of his disdain for David. David is the one that's suffering all the consequences of this, being moved out of the house, being moved back in, being chased, going into hiding. All of these things are happening because David is experiencing opposition from Saul. And as we read the story, what we're told is that even in the midst of all of this, David is having success. He's having victory. There are battles, there are conflicts in his life, and he's able to rise above them. I don't know about you, but That sounds good to me. With all of the turmoil going on in our world, all the things that happen to me and around me, I would love to be able to rise above all of them and experience victory. So maybe there are some things in here that kind of let us know the secret to David's success. And in putting these principles into practice, hopefully that can affect us in a positive way in areas of anxiety, fear, and frustration. The first thing that is obvious about David's success is that it comes from the Lord. It comes as a result of him following God's lead. And that may seem very obvious to us, but just think about the times in your life that you're dealing with struggle and you're not thinking about God or doing what he wants you to do. You're trying to figure out some shortcut to deal with the pain so it just goes away, or maybe even retreating from the problem rather than fighting the battle at all. When we find ourselves in the midst of life's struggles, we've got to be willing in every circumstance to follow God's lead. In verse 5, Jonathan is reminding Saul that David had taken his life into his own hand and struck down the Philistine, and it was the Lord who had worked a great salvation for Israel. That word can be translated deliverance, help, safety, or victory. In our lives, there are things that we need to be delivered from. We need a victory. And we're not going to achieve it by our own means, by our own strength. God will give us the victory. We just have to follow his leading, and he will bring us through every time. Even in verse 8, we're told the Philistines rise up against Israel again, and David goes out and is successful in that battle. Remember, King Saul was anointed king to bring deliverance from the Philistines. Saul is not following God's lead. He's not fighting that battle. It's David who's going out and fighting them. And he's experiencing the success and the victory. As David is following God's lead, he's also leading others into battle, setting an example for them of how they should think and behave. And for us, God has provided an example someone who is following his lead, that we can follow through any struggle and find our way through. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
in the context there, Peter is talking about the struggles that we deal with in life and that if we follow Jesus' example, we will find victory. Also, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. God provides a path for us. He makes it straight, he clears it, and he gives us a leader in Jesus to get us down that path through all of our struggles and find a home for eternity with God. But those things come about when we follow Jesus and let God fight our battles. Sometimes those victories will happen in ways we don't understand, but very often they'll happen because we submit our will to his. We follow the instructions he gives us, and it leads us to success. This is certainly what David was focused on as he was leading Israel's armies into battle. But as he's doing this, we learn something else that may be instructive for us. As David was busy trying to do the things that the Lord wanted, he was finding resistance in Saul. We too should expect resistance when we're doing the things that God wants us to do. When we succeed, others will attempt to pull us down. Here in this chapter, we're told that Saul threw a spear at David and it ended up sticking in the wall when it missed him. We're told that he sent men out to hunt David down and bring him back to Saul so that Saul could kill him. And as Jonathan had reminded Saul, the thing he was mad about was allowing God to use him to bring about a great deliverance in Israel. There evidently was some type of jealousy or insecurity or struggle with Saul's own ego that was causing him to not want David to succeed. He wanted that success. He wanted that adulation. But as we see throughout Saul's story, he is absolutely unwilling to do it on God's terms. Even in this story, there's a little detail that may cause us pause. We're told that when David's trying to escape, that his wife takes the household idol and lays it in the bed and uses it to try to deceive those who may come looking for David. And our first thought may be, well, if David's a man after God's own heart, why is there a household idol in his house? Well, remember that David has been brought back to Saul's house. I know the text says he was going to David's house. It's his living quarters, but it's within the compound, the royal compound where Saul lived. Saul is a man who has set up idols in his royal palace. And David's wife uses this idol as a decoy to stall for time so that David can get away. David is succeeding, but it's because he's following God's lead. Saul is not meeting the same kind of success. And rather than do what God wants, he tries to tear down David. When Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He lets his listeners know that that's the way that people have always treated men of God, the prophets. And if you're being persecuted for doing the right thing, it's being done by people who would rather tear you down than allow God to lift them up. And the Apostle Paul writes to a young preacher named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, and says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So David's keys to success so far have been to follow God's lead, but also to anticipate resistance. If you know that it's coming, you can work around it. You can deal with it. You can develop the right kind of attitude toward it so that it doesn't get you down. The next thing we learn from David is how important it is to maintain good relationships. If you want to find success in this life and then the different struggles that come around in your life, 
you need to have good relationships, good, healthy relationships with people who can help keep you on the path that God wants you to be on. They can help you bear that burden. God puts people in our lives who can protect us. We must identify those and maintain healthy relationships with them. We see the importance of this in Saul's life and in David's life. With Saul in verses 4 through 6, he's talking with his son, and his son gives him a better perspective, helps him to see how things really are. And that affects Saul, and he makes better choices as a result. Then at the end of the chapter, when Saul is among the prophets, he actually is able to give in to the Holy Spirit and participate in the prophesying. It's when he's separated from these good influences that he makes his mistakes. In this story, Saul seems to adapt to his surroundings. And the reality is we do too. So we should make sure we surround ourselves with good. When Saul is in the presence of God's people, he was able to have an experience with God. When we have those experiences, we can resist those who try to tear us down, and it makes it easier for us to follow God's lead. In David's case, we can see his relationship with Jonathan. We can see his relationship with Michael and see that both of these people are all in on trying to make sure that David is safe and that Saul can't hurt him. It was the people in David's life like this that helped him evade being killed by Saul for all those years and eventually become king of Israel himself. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If we love the way things are going on in this world and we're desperately trying to hang on and fit in here, we'll very often find ourselves fighting against God the way Saul did. We need to make sure that we're willing to surround ourselves with the people who will encourage us and hold us accountable to doing God's will. But the reality is those people can't be with us all the time. Sometimes we're alone. Sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of people who have a totally different worldview than us. And that brings us to the last thing I see here with David. He had developed a personal integrity. David had developed into a man that you could count on. You could rely on his response in every situation. This was in stark contrast to Saul that you didn't know what you were going to get from one day to another. When Saul was looking at his circumstances with the proper perspective, he often made very good choices. There were times when people like Samuel or his son Jonathan helped him with that perspective, reminded him how things actually were. But when Saul focused on himself, and his desires, he ended up making very poor choices. But later on in Scripture, God speaking about David in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 4 says, As for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, and he goes on from there. But he talks about David's integrity of heart. In Scripture, we have recorded David committing multiple grievous sins, but God still talks about the integrity of his heart, and it's because once he's confronted with those things, once he understands how bad they are, he is absolutely committed to making things right and getting back on the right path, and God could always count on that from David. That was David's personal integrity. It was what sustained him even when things were going wrong around him because he knew he was going to make the right choice every time because he had developed that 
consistency in his heart. Jesus had a reputation like that. In Mark chapter 12, verse 14, a group of people came to him, and they're flattering him and trying to set him up in a trap. But they do say, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. You're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Jesus had an integrity. People knew exactly what to expect out of Jesus. And it was going to be the same if he was with them or if he was isolated by himself. If we want to have success in our struggles, we have to have this kind of integrity. We can't just do the right thing when other Christians are watching or when we want God to bail us out. We've got to be willing to do what God wants us to do all of the time. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 7, says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Too many Christians are content to make excuses about their mistakes and not own up to them and not want to make things better. But we're told in 1 John that Jesus came to eliminate sin. Not just the consequences of sin, but he wants to eliminate the sin from our lives. He wants to clean us up so we can be more effective instruments in his hand for his purposes. It's when we realize this and surrender in every aspect of our lives to the will of God that we will find success. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.